Am I on? I had a premonition. I had a premonition. I woke up early this morning, and because they, they, they told me in the email that I received, um, be prepared to take the call. And I had this premonition that they were going to call while I was preaching. I kid you not. So when I saw the number that I didn't recognize, I, I already knew that that was them. So for those of you who are uh, watching online or somebody who may be listening after the fact, that was my moving company, and hopefully our stuff is going to be here um, tomorrow morning. So praise God for that. Um, wow, I, I said this was going to be a great sermon last Sunday. <laughs> and um, I honestly um, never, I would never say that because um, of anything that I have to say. But it's going to be a great sermon this morning because we're going to open the Word of God and we're going to, to let the Holy Spirit uh, speak to us. Um, so every Sunday is going to be an amazing sermon. I hope you invited someone. I invited two people uh, this morning. I do not see either one of them. Um, and I knew when I invited them that the chances of their actual attendance was very small. Um, but I'm going to see these people again, Lord willing. And so I will, I will invite them a second time. Um, just because you plant a seed, there is no guarantee that it's going to grow, right? But if you do not plant a seed, guess what? There is a guarantee that nothing will grow. So anyway, um, invite someone next Sunday. It's going to be an awesome sermon because we're going to open the Word of God together. Uh, We've we got to do just a little bit of recap. Um, Landon, He Lives is, was, was our invitation song. Are we still going to sing He Lives? Huh? Are we going to sing it again? I, I looked up and I thought, did I miss my sermon? <laughs> I, I haven't even started, and, and I think we're already on the invitation song. So um, maybe it was more awesome than I realized. Wow. Funny things happen in church sometimes, don't they? Um, we're going to have to go very quickly. We're talking, we talked about Jesus' timetable. His timetable is different from our timetable. Uh, his friend Lazarus gets sick. Uh, he doesn't rush off to heal him. He delays. He delays on purpose because he wants something to happen that's going to give God glory. And we're going to see that, um, we're going to see that this morning. They want Jesus to hurry and to fix sickness. They want Jesus to cure Lazarus and, and, and to fix sickness. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to wait until it gets so bad. I'm going to wait until there is nothing that can be done where it gets to the moment that it is so bad. And then I'm going to come in and I'm going to fix death. You see, you want me to fix sickness. Jesus says, I'm going to take care of death. And so we find ourselves in the text. Last Sunday, Martha comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here. And I shared with you that um, 
there was really a time in my life where I kind of of felt like maybe Martha was questioning Jesus, um, his love, um, his, his caring about them. Because she sent, they sent word to Jesus, the one you love is sick. So we know that there was this very strong relationship between Jesus and Lazarus and Jesus and Martha and her sister Mary. The one you love is sick. But he doesn't rush off. He delays. And Martha says, Lord, when Jesus finally arrives, if you had been here. I always gave Martha a hard time for that. You know, we do that sometimes. Where are you, God? But because of what she says next, I think she really is is exhibiting great faith. She says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. That's starting to sound like some faith, isn't it? Jesus, if you'd only been here, I know that, that you could have prevented this. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Even now. Say that. Even now. Even now in the midst of this circumstance, Jesus, I trust that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother Lazarus is going to rise. And she says, oh, I know, I know. On the last day in the resurrection, I know that he's going to rise again. And what did Jesus say? I am. One of those great I am statements that John records. I think there are seven I am statements that John records in his gospel. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do the the raising of Lazarus. Jesus says, I am resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And now we pick up, her sister comes in. She says much the same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Uh, Let's pick up in verse 30. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place. We're in John chapter 11, John 11. He was still at the place where Martha had met him. Verse 31, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. And he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? He's already told them. He said from the get-go, Lazarus is asleep, I'm going to go and wake him up. His apostles said, well, if he's asleep, he'll get better. And he says, no, 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 Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad that I wasn't there because I'm going to do something that's going to bring God glory. So I'm glad that I wasn't there to do anything about Lazarus. 
So he goes. He already knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. It would have been very easy for Jesus to say, Oh, no, 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 people. Don't cry. Stop your crying. Don't grieve. I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring him back to life. But that's not what he does. What does he do? He joins them in their suffering. Isn't that just like our Lord? Knowing that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead and people are going to be amazed, he joins them in their suffering. He weeps with them. We know this verse uh, when we were little kids. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, right? That's why we know this passage. Jesus weeps with them. He's moved by their hurting, by their grieving, by their suffering. He doesn't tell them not to grieve. He actually joins them. You know, I, I could have been, I probably could have been a professional mourner. I could have been paid to have mourned. My, my mom, um, she cries um, at commercials, honestly. If there's a, a really good commercial on, she'll, uh, she, I can see her dabbing her eye, you know, she'll be crying. And I have inherited that from her. And let me tell you, every year it gets worse and worse. I can cry at the drop of a hat. I just seem to be so easily moved by other people's pain, by other people's suffering. I went to a um, funeral um, on, I guess it was Friday, uh, Judy Bartram's funeral, Shelley's mother-in-law, uh, Shelley's stepmother. And I did not know Judy. I'd never met her. I didn't know any of the family. I'd really only met Stephen Shelley a couple of weeks ago at church for the first time. So I, I, so I don't know anybody, right? We go in. Uh, the funeral begins, and not long into it, up on my front right, a young man just began to, to cry. And the girl sitting next to him put her, put her arm around him. I don't know what the relationship is even at that moment. But she puts her arm around him, and he just lays his head over on her shoulder. And I'm telling you what, <laughs> I had to choke it back, man. I, 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 started, I started to feel it coming on me, you know. Steve got up and shared some really sweet words. And then Shelly gets up and in a very broad stroke of the brush sort of tells the life story of Judy and the relationship that she had with with her family, addressed every one of the siblings, the grandchildren. They all shared these, these wonderful stories about what a, a beautiful, kind, loving mother, grandmother, friend that she was. And there were a few times, Shelley, when you began to get choked up, and, I, and it was right there in my throat, and it was all I could do to just keep from crying and weeping. And even telling you now, I'm starting to get choked up. I'm, I, I'm just so easily moved when other people are hurting, you know. Jesus, he knows what he's going to do. <laughs> he, he knows he's going to raise Lazarus. Oh, no, don't cry, don't cry. It's going to be okay. That's not what he says. He joins in the suffering with them. He begins to weep. He's deeply moved. That is so like our Lord. 
Some of the Jews said, see, see how much he loved Lazarus. Look at what it's doing to him. But some of the other ones said, could he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Hmm, a little, a little questioning there. Jesus, once more deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. You remember we talked about that last Sunday. Um, this is a big deal because Lazarus is not coming back. The Jews had a mindset that for, for at least three days that the, that the spirit of a person would, would stay close to the body, would, would hover over the body uh, in, in hopes that maybe that spirit would re-enter the body. But now Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. He's not coming back. He's very, very dead. And I referenced the King James Version earlier. Um, this is one of those passages that uh, in the King James it says, uh, Lord, by now he stinketh. He stinketh. He's been in there four days. We, you don't want to do that. You, you don't want to go in there. Notice what Jesus said to the people. He said, take the stone away. Do you think Jesus needed any help taking the stone away? Do you? Who made the stone? Who made the rocks? Jesus? The Bible tells, especially in Colossians, that there was nothing that was made that was not made by him and for him and through him. Jesus, the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's John 1. That Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. That's verse 14 of John 1. We know that to be Jesus, the Word of God. When God thought it, the Word of God created that. There was nothing that was created that wasn't created by and for and through Jesus. Jesus told them to roll the stone away. Why do you think he did that? He didn't need any help. He could have said, stone, move from here to there. And that stone would have obeyed him because he's the one who created it. Now, let me tell you this. Jesus... Jesus wants to partner with us. Now listen to me as, as I say this. Jesus did not need their help in taking that stone away. But Jesus called on them to do what they could do, listen to me, so that he could show up and do what only he could do. Oh, I wish I had a church to preach to this morning. I'm going to come over here. Jesus called them to do what they could do. Are you with me? So that he could show up and do what only God could do. Oh, it's getting a little better. I don't know why God wants to partner with sinful men and women. I, <laughs> it blows my mind. Why would God want to be in a relationship with us? Why would God call us to do anything for him? What, what, what do we have 
What do we have to offer a holy, a righteous God when we are people of such unclean lips and unclean hands? What do we have to offer him? We have, we have nothing to offer him except that through Christ, God has, has wiped our sins away and has given us his righteousness. So now we stand in a right relationship with him, not because of us, but because of him. And so he wants to partner with us. God, in a single word, in a single day, in a single moment, could evangelize the whole world. But yet he is, he's called on men and women. He wants to partner with us. He wants us to do what we can do so that he can show up and do what only he can do. So Jesus said, take the stone away. Roll the stone away. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, past tense. Not that you will hear me or that you're going to hear me, but Jesus speaks in the past tense because he knows. He knows that the Father would hear him. He knows the beginning from the end. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Why? That they may believe that you sent me. So much of what John records for us um, is because uh, Jesus did this, he said that, so that they might believe. So that they might believe. So much of John's gospel is, is written that way. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. My old preaching buddy, he... Uh, he, he used to love to say, Jesus had, had to say Lazarus come out because if he had just said come out, everyone in all the graves would have come out. All the dead people would have, would have got up and started walking, but Jesus, no, he, he singled him out. He said, Lazarus, come out. What happened? <laughs> you better believe he came out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Oh, church, there is a whole sermon in that one, ver in that one verse. Take off the grave clothes. Lazarus has been a dead man. For four days, he was really, really, really dead, not coming back until Jesus showed up on the scene. And when he said, Lazarus, come out, he, life came back into his dead body. That which was dead was now alive again, but he still had on the grave clothes. Can you hear me, church? Are you feeling what I'm saying? He was risen from the dead, but there was still something that needed to happen. What? Take off the grave clothes. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that I think 
So many of our churches are filled across this nation with people who have professed the name of Jesus Christ, who have said, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he died for my sins, but yet we still are wearing our grave clothes. We got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And we're so miserable that we can't really enjoy the world because I know I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to go there. I'm not supposed to drink that. I'm not, you know, we, we, but we're so enticed by it. And yet we've got this one foot, you know, we're playing church and we can't really enjoy being in Christ and everything that goes with that, the salvation that is only in Christ because we're so pulled by the flesh. We're, we're, we're back and forth. We've never fully taken off the grave clothes. And Jesus, what, listen to me, what, what good is it to be risen from the dead if you're still wearing the grave clothes? That doesn't sound right, does it? Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. And we don't even have time to explore that, but maybe sometime later we will. Therefore, verse 45, we've got to finish this up. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. Don't you know that that's one of the reasons, if not one of the big reasons, why Jesus delayed? He didn't rush off and heal Lazarus. If he had gotten there when Lazarus was still sick, anointed him with some oil, prayed over him, and Lazarus got better, don't you know everybody would have gone home and said, wow, Lazarus is okay now. Let's get back to work. Let's do our, get back to our normal stuff. But because Lazarus had been resurrected from the dead, that sort of does something to, to you, doesn't it? <laughs> if you see a dead man and you know he's been dead for four days and he comes back to life, isn't that going to change something? Isn't that going to do something to you? Many of those who had come to weep with Mary and Martha saw what happened and they believed. They put their faith in Jesus so God could get glory. It's all about God's glory. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done, like little, little tattletales. You know, you had that kid in school that was always telling on you, telling on people, you know. So-and-so, Rodney did this. Landon, he did that. Well, Landon was probably guilty. <laughs> but Rodney was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Some of them went to the Pharisees, and they told them what Jesus had done. Look at this. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. That's the ruling body. That's the ruling body of the Jews, the Sanhedrin. This is, this is the Supreme Court, if you will. The, the, these are the big dogs. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. <laughs> they, they, they're not denying that Jesus is performing miracles. They're not denying that he's doing these awesome things. What they're saying is, 
we know He's doing these things. And if we just keep on letting Him do these things, everybody's going to believe in Him. We've got to put a stop to this. Because if we don't, everybody's going to believe in Him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our place, our temple, and our nation. These guys aren't acting out of ignorance. They, I, these guys aren't saying that Jesus is a charlatan, a fake. It seems to me that they're acknowledging that this guy is working miracles. You can't work miracles unless you're from God. Nicodemus said that to him in John 3. We know you're from God because nobody can do the things that you do if they weren't from God. So they knowingly, knowingly are trying to put an end to Jesus. And that's part of what Jesus said. You're going to see the glory of God because of this Lazarus situation. Part of that, part A... Uh, 1A was that he was going to raise Lazarus. God was going to be glorified through that. 1B is, this is going to hasten my own death, Jesus is saying. Because of what happens here, the Jews uh, were incited even more to kill him. Verse 49, then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, he spoke up. You know nothing at all, he said. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. The high priest that year, he prophesies that it's better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish. I dare say that he did not even realize what he was saying. What I think he meant was, we need to get rid of this Jesus, because that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to lose our nation. We're going to use our chief seats. We're going, to use our, we're going to lose our clout, our power. So it's better for one man to die than for the nation to perish. But prophetically, it couldn't have been more true. Jesus, one man, was going to die for the nation. And not just the Jewish nation, but for all nations. All nations would be, would be blessed through him. Jesus told them to roll the stone away. Not because he needed their help, but because he was calling them to do what they could do. To partner with him. To do what they could do so that Jesus could show up and do what only God can do. And that is to, to give life to dead people. <laughs> Jesus, this is not an isolated incident. Listen to me. 
This is not an isolated incident. Jesus is still in the business of giving life to dead people. When you partner with him, when you plant a seed, when you share your faith, you're doing what you can do. You can't save someone. God never called you to that. But, but you are doing what you have been called to do so that Jesus can show up and give life to a dead person. He's never stopped doing that. That's always been what he's been about. Man, I love the story of Lazarus um, because it speaks to me not just of God's power, but, but of what God, God is calling us to do in Christ. And, God, and, and, and he's going to equip us. He'll never call us to something that he doesn't equip us for. To go out, to share our faith, to reach people so that he can do what only he can do.